you're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. I want us to start from Psalm 103 and just see what the patriarch David showed us from verse 1. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Lord, his holy name. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He said, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender messes? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? Six, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Verse 11 says, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord does what? Pities those who fear him. He said he knows what he made us with. Praise the Lord. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are those. Let's just stop here. Let's go back to verse 1. Verse 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and everything I see around me. Is that what he said? He said, bless the Lord. Where is your soul? Is your soul there? Where's your soul? He said, bless the Lord, O my word. Soul and word, all that is where? Still within me. Before he began to say some things that you may concur with or you may agree with. What am I saying? This morning we want to get to the place where we are able to bless the Lord from our soul. Beyond our circumstances. Beyond our situations. Beyond the alert, beyond the news, beyond the message, beyond the temperature of your body, beyond the status of your bank account, beyond, you know, your marital status, your parental status, where we come to bless the Lord from our souls. Praise the Lord. I leave that aside and I make this statement. As I was getting ready to come here, the Lord said, tell my children, he says, no Christian, no born again Christian is a sorry case. You know what a sorry case is? It's not in the normal dictionary, but it's in one of the dictionaries. A sorry case is somebody that is pitied. And every dealing with him or her is out of pity. It means this person is in a disadvantaged position. And there is nothing in him or in her of working for him that will make anybody come to deal with him or her except pity so everything has gone wrong for this person you know some i didn't want to use welfare case but he says no christian can be a sorry case you know why the least of the christian christian the moment you say you are born what 
again, it means who is your father. It means God is your father. Seal up. Just pause and consider it. Somebody who has God as his father. Can such a person be a sorry case? Even the prodigal son, when he was feeding with the pigs, all he needed to change his circumstance and his situation and everything was what did he remember? He didn't remember the economy. He remembered his word, father. He said, in my father's house, somebody needs to say to himself, I have a father. Praise the Lord. I may not have a, a benefactor. I may not have a godfather. I may not have a job. I may not have this. But I have a father. And, and that father is not avoiding me. That father is claiming me. That father is introducing me. That father is referencing me. It says, as many as believed in him, to them he gave what? The right to become or to be called children of God. He said, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be what? Called the children of God. He's calling us. He says, you are my children. That's what the Father is saying. So he says, no Christian, no Christian is a sorry case. It's impossible. Father and mother forsook you. It's a, you're not a sorry case. You know what you are? You a testimony on a journey not yet revealed. That's why the Apostle Paul can say to us, we glory in what? Tribulations. That's why when we worship God, I think did we sing the song today, I think we did. You are Alpha and what? Omega. Nobody has seen your end. Praise the Lord. The best anybody can see is you in time T. But let me tell you something about time. Time is a creation of God. Do you know that? It will be very difficult for humans to understand it. That time is a creation of God. The way you and I are, the way, you know, the sun is, the way water is, the way the, you know, iron ore in the, you know, dug up from the, the mountains are. That's how time is. Time is a creation of God. So when you want to judge things in time, make sure you take reference from its creator. Within time, there is nothing final. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want you to picture it this way. This is my right hand. This is my left hand. Okay. I want you to picture that this lectern, thank God, is shaped like a T. This lectern is time. Are you with me? Now, from my right hand is what is called eternity past. So God, who dwells in eternity past, decided, and the Bible records it in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, that beginning you see there is the beginning of time. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. So God had been existing infinite. And then he comes to this point and said, let us create something. And this thing begins to run. Now, no matter what goes on here, beyond this, God continues what? Eternity future. And that is time. And he's saying, how can somebody, because of his circumstances and what he sees here, say he's a sorry case? When I, 
the Alpha and the Omega. I'm interested in you. Praise the Lord somebody. Are you getting what I'm saying? Let's take the picture of Abraham. God appears to Abraham and says to him, Genesis 12. He says, come out of your country, come out of your father's land. To a place I'm going to show you, I'll make you great. I'm going to do all of that. And Abraham was about 75 years old. And he walked with this man. Years we are passing, he hadn't had a child. A promise of a child shouldn't take more than one year. But God was not in a hurry. In fact, he said to him, I will make you great. Your children will be like what? The stars and what? The sand on the seashore. Did Abraham say it? He never saw it. And Abraham is in time. We are in time, but we are seeing it. Imagine if someone has said to Abraham, Oh, Abraham, sorry. This promise that God made to you. Oh, maybe he made a mistake when he spoke to you. But you see, you and I are living today. And what are we seeing? We are seeing, claiming ourselves, different people. We are here today now, and we are all children of Abraham. Because of what? Because of the faithfulness of the God who made the promise. Now, I want us to understand something again. I come from another angle. He said to me that the problem or the challenge most of us Christians have is what we may call it. I don't know which you know, scientific name to give it. But it's a small God virus. Praise the Lord. Is a virus that makes our God to be small in our eyes. The songwriter sang and says, we have made you one too small in our eyes. What should you do? He said, oh Lord, do one. Forgive us, forgive us. It's the problem many of us suffer. Because if only you could look, and that's why every time Abraham had issues, what would God say to him? God would say, lift up your eyes. This sickness has come again. You have started looking at, he said, this is my household. This is my servant. These are the people here. I can't see anything. And God will say, Abraham, Abraham, lift up what? Your eyes. Help me tap your neighbor and say, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. You need to lift up your eyes. Because it is God who is your father. He is the one who has begotten you. He's the one who has begun what is happening in you. He's the one. He's the originator. Praise the Lord. So he says, what affects us most times and what, you know, challenges our gratitude and our thanksgiving and makes us unable to stand is because we have a small God mentality. Our God is not, or our impression of his sight is impaired. So when we talk, we talk calculating what our God can do. And that's why God, you know, dealt with his prophets and we looked on Wednesday and said the things which were recorded in the Bible were recorded for our examples. God brings the man and told him to prophesy that there is going to be war, that the city is going to be taken over by the Babylonians and they will roll over everything. Nothing will remain. And then the same God, after he has finished prophesying, comes and says to him, and says to him, go and buy land in the same land the same country that will be destroyed and taken over by foreign armies. Now, how do you obey such an instruction? Is either one is true or the other should not be taken? If they are going to invade my country and take over my land and we are all going to become captives, 
then why should I be buying land in a place where an enemy country is going to occupy? But you see, God was trying to help him to understand that he was, when we call him king of kings, you know, it's a rhyme. King of kings is a rhyme. But he's actually what? King over what? All kings. It means that whatever men do, he can do what? He can override it. He can overthrow it. He can reverse it. You know the power of governance is that you come in, you can change everything back. And God says to this man, go and buy this land. And this was what he said. He said, ah, Lord God, (laughs) there is what? Nothing too difficult for you. He was saying, this thing is difficult too. But ah, Lord God, what? There is nothing. Can I tell you, sirs and mas, that if you considered who you are dealing with, who it is, who is your God, you know that there is nothing, not a thing, not a situation, not a circumstance that is difficult for him. Praise the Lord. This is the God we serve. But that's not even where I want us to have the standing from. That's not where the standing is going to come from. Let's move on. I come to what we may call here spiritual arithmetics. Praise the Lord. The Bible records for us today's believers accounts of different persons in the Bible. Abraham is one of them. We've mentioned him. The Lord appeared to him. And the Bible said in that Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said, which meant that there had been an encounter where God, you know, said this to him. But we have Moses. We have Jacob. We have all of them. And every of these ones who succeeded in their work with God, who brought results notable and we could learn something from. They had something about them. Each of them had some form of divine encounter. Praise the Lord. Every one of them had some form of divine encounter. Each and every one of them. And common with this divine encounter was never, we didn't find any of these people. Neither Moses, nor Abraham, you know. None of them found God. All of them were what? Found by God. In fact, concerning Noah, when the Bible says Noah found grace, it was that God's grace set upon Noah. Praise the Lord. Now, this divine encounter would always bring to these men and women a revelation of the divine majesty. So, all of a sudden, people who are used to dealing with fellow men or with strong men or with wise men, or with rich men, or with intelligent men, or with, you know, powerful men, will come to realize that there is somebody beyond all their imaginations of man's greatness. That's what a divine encounter is. That's what Moses saw. That made him agree to go back to Pharaoh. Praise the Lord. That's what he saw. That's what made him be able to go into Pharaoh's palace and say to Pharaoh, without a gun, without anybody, and say, the Lord God said what? Let my people go. It's a divine encounter. Now, every Christian who is going to last, who is going to make it to the end, must have that encounter. And that encounter does not have to be, it doesn't have to be spectacular. But something must happen inside of you where all of a sudden you begin to see beyond your left, right, and center. Where you become consciously, totally aware that there is God. Praise the Lord. Now, it might sound elementary. Who doesn't believe there is God? 
Who doesn't believe there is God? Who doesn't believe there is God? But let me ask you a question. If you went into an office, okay, not, not any of you. Someone went into an office and like, you know, it's, it's done in most places in the advanced countries. And they say there are CCTVs here monitoring everything. Will anybody go to that supermarket with a CCTV and take something and steal? Are you sure? Why? Because they know that the camera is what? Watching them. So even if they had intentions, once they come and they see the sign and they come in and they see the cameras, what will happen to their intention? You know, it will just go. It will go. Why? Because they know they're being what? Now, if we say we believe there is God, which I know we say, until a man comes to the point where he sees God more than a CCTV camera, which means you don't do anything imagining God is not seeing it, then you've not come to know that there is God. Praise the Lord. The men, this man we mentioned, Moses, Daniel, Noah, and the rest of them. Noah built the ark for close to 100 years. One, about 120 years. You're building something that has never been needed. There's never been rain. You're building something and the whole of your community are laughing at you. You're building something and not one person is supporting you. Even your family are just going along because you're their father. And you build it for one year, two years, three years. And this thing you're building is to gather animals to come and stay with you. Because water is going to come. Water you have never seen in that dimension. And destroy the whole world. What will make him do such a thing? He had had an encounter with the living God. Any Christian who has not come to where his God, her God is more real to him or her than any other thing is standing on a shaky foundation. Praise the Lord. It's as simple as that. It's standing because it, it then means that the, the world can bring you to a place where you consciously and willingly remove yourself from this God that we said is Alpha and Omega. And that is not the place you want to be. Let me tell you, sir. Let me tell you, man. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters. God is not a man. Praise the Lord. God loves you, you know, with a kind of love that you will never, never fully comprehend. But this same God, the Bible says, all things are what? Open and naked before him. And this God, you know, Okay, I, I'm preempting myself. Let, 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 me, let me follow the line I'm saying, the spiritual arithmetic. So, this encounter reveals to us his majesty. So, you see his awesomeness. You see his greatness. You see, it's like somebody who comes, you know, from the village to Abuja. And is marveling at the beauty of Abuja. You know, he passes Wusetu. Gets to Asokoro. You know, goes through Maitama. And is shouting, what beauty. Then they take the person to the international airport and land him at Dubai. What description will he use to describe Abuja again? What word is he going to use? All the words he used. He said, look at, he'll see Hilton. He says, see skyscraper. He's touching the skies. Then he sees the Burj Khalifa. What is he going to say? Ah, if he's from the southwest. Ah. <laughs> if he's from the east, what will he say? Nah, man. 
<laughs> People of God, the God we have to do with is a mighty God. And you and I must earnestly pray, desire to have an encounter. Let us know this one that we deal with. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ said, this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God. The knowledge of, to know this God, to know that there is one mighty, there is one awesome, awesome in power, great in his works, always what? Doing wonders. That's what this God does. So that encounter reveals that majesty. And then another thing that happens with that encounter, all of a sudden you feel a sense of specialty, a sense of, you know, peculiarity. The Bible says we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. Every one of these people all of a sudden begins to know, oh, I'm that special. Praise the Lord. That's why Noah could build the ark when everybody, they were laughing at him, but he was pitying them. Do you get it now? They mocked him, but he did what? He felt for them because he knew that they didn't know what they should know. So their situation was what? They were actually the sorry case. Praise the Lord. So that encounter leads the man, this person who has had such an encounter, to a place of gratitude, a deep sense of indebtedness that the creator how many of us have worked in an office where the boss the owner of the organization just delighted in you just gave you some favors, anybody? how did you feel in that office? if you were at the staff canteen and everybody started saying this man this man and this, do you join them? even if you felt a bit that the man was a bit here you don't join them, you know why? The favor he has shown you digs, if I could use the picture, a well of gratitude. That whatever thing that is not so good about him, that well swallows it. But now with God, he's altogether what? Perfect. There is no rumor. There is no gist. There is nothing you can say God has not done well. He's perfect in all his ways. Praise the Lord. The Bible says he looked at everything that he had made and what was it? He said, and it was very good. With God, there is nothing. There is no comma with God. Now, this God favors you. This God loves you and I. This God is so good to us. What should be our state of heart? It is gratitude. It is gratitude. And that gratitude will come like a feeling of indebtedness. That's why David could say to Micah, I'm a king. Yes, I know. And I should be walking with royal robes. Yes, I know. But here I am dancing and my jigida is falling off. But you see, Micah, I can't help myself. I'm doing this dance before who? The God who what? Chose me. Just that one alone. Anyone who has had this encounter has a sense of being chosen. Because it's not everybody in the world who has it. It's not everybody. Praise the Lord. It's not everybody in the world who has it. Part of, you know, the things I hope, maybe I just mentioned, is that coming here, I remember that as an unbeliever, I had friends that said, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. And they left Enugu to Onicha, 100 kilometers journey, and they died. Just, you know, we'll, we'll be back. And never we're back. Praise the Lord. As unbelievers, as my birthday thing was being arranged, I saw another friend also. You know, we took a picture. Young man, just laughing and having a good time. 
And we had to cut off the picture because someone who knows, you, you can't put such a picture. He, he's not, as a, as a teenager, just gone like that. Now, you begin to ask yourself, when God places his hand on you, which form did you feel? Which aptitude test did you write to make him to preserve this one and overlook this one? Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, but now that thinking will never come unless you've had the encounter. If not, it won't even come into your consciousness. A lot of people don't think this way because nothing has really happened. But when God's hand is on you, you, from time to time, you ask yourself, why me? Now, you know, when the carnal person says, why me? Is why am I going through this problem? But when these people that we're talking about who have had the encounter, when they say, why me? They're saying, why would the creator of the heavens and the earth delight in me why would he snatch me from fire why would he cause me to hear his voice you think the day you got saved you think it was the powerful preaching of the preacher no it was the spirit of god that unlocked your heart that opened your ears to hear some of us will bear witness that we didn't even know what they were saying all you knew was that that day what you surrender to jesus it was mercy now what am i saying all of that flows into a place of indebtedness. So this person that we are talking about, we are doing spiritual arithmetic, stands every moment he stands, he's grateful. Just like the psalmist said, he said, blessed is the man, what? Whose transgressions are what? Forgiving. Romans 4, 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose what? Lawless these are, are forgiven. Whose sins are covered? Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Okay, let's see the message, verse 7. It says, fortunate those whose crimes are what? Carted off. Whose sins are wiped clean from the slate. Praise God. If you read the papers, I think it was, yeah, Friday, I think Friday. Front page news, two news. One was the man who, the ex-Unilag lecturer, who was convicted of rape. How many of us saw it? 21 years imprisonment. The same newspaper also is, um, the, is in Mariam Sandra, who was um, committed to death sentence, you know, appealing her case. And the Spirit of God said, these two persons now, their sins are with them. Isn't it? It said to me, what would these people give to have that thing hanging on them removed? Not just death sentence committed to life, but just as if they never what? Sinned. Not just as if they never sinned. Walking about with no sense of guilt. Walking about with no memory almost of what they did. Walking about, if it's the woman, the husband's family, loving her like their precious daughter-in-law. He said, what miracle, what cost? What will need to be put in place for such a status to be attained? People of God. That's what the Christian has. When the Bible says, lift up holy hands. Some of the hands have committed murder. Some, you know, armed robbery. Some, you know, all terrible things. But you know what? Those hands are what? Holy. You know why? Because the blood of Jesus has washed those hands. And they are indeed what? Holy hands. Holy hands. 
He said, the man that was convicted of rape, you know what it is? I think, you know, I mean, God forbid, but if someone were to choose, if a person were to choose, if a man were to choose, he would rather choose, you know, being convicted for, which one is the most noble crime in Nigeria? Embezzlement. Because that's how come a man can be convicted of, you know, stealing government money. He'll be in prison and be earning government money at the same time. Our senators, former governor senators. So maybe that's the most noble reason to be, you know, put in prison. And then from there, you can go into maybe, um, which one now? Yahoo, Yahoo. You know, they tell you that fighting is, is a repatriation of, you know, slave money that they're bringing back. Uh, what other one? And you get to arm robbery. How many, I mean, let's not even think. Somebody who has a choice of saying somebody close, a close relative is in prison for a criminal offense. Which, you know, robbery is robbery. But to say raped a teenager, you know what it means? It's crazy. It's shameful. It's despicable. It, it can't even be thought about. But in Christ... If that man is in Christ, if he calls on the name of Jesus today, you know what will happen? The blood of Jesus will do what? We'll wash him clean. We'll wash him clean. And if you're busy saying that's the man, you'll be on your own because God won't be saying that's the man. God will be saying, that's my redeemed one. That's my precious possession. That's my beloved. That's what the Christian has. But you see, many don't have the understanding so you walk about, I mean, the tag, forgiving. Hmm. To have your bad records expunged is not easy. It's not easy. But only God can do it. And God has done it for me. He has done it for any other person here. He has done it for you. You see, I want you to follow this now. The man that is in prison for rape, he wrote a dissertation and all of a sudden his professorship award comes out. And they say to him, you're now a professor. He's in prison for rape. What does that amount to? Mariam Sandra, the father has now died and has bequeathed to her, you know, all his properties in Asurok, in, uh, you know, in all different places. She's now a billionaire. What does that amount to? Nothing. You know why? The weight of the iniquity will not let any good thing come again. When the psalmist says, blessed is the man whose sins are covered. You see, if your sins are not covered, no blessing makes sense. Hallelujah. Let me help us. How many of us have really been dirty? You know, maybe for those of us men that used to do mechanic runs those days. Okay, if you still do, don't worry, very soon God will promote you. So, you do the mechanic runs. You know how you come back. For the women, let me help you. You know how it is when you have, um, uh, what, is, what is it now? You have, you have cooked, what, what food splashes? You've cooked tomato, right? And it splashes, and, then, and you fry them. What is this that they fry, and then it's... it's you fry something that has a lot of fat or whatever. And you've done all that cooking and pounding and all of that. And you come out straight from the kitchen. And somebody meets you with this beautiful eleganza dress. Is it eleganza they call called? Organza. Uh-huh. Beautiful organza. Queen Mother, please come. And they just say, ah, we love you so much. Please, we are clothing you. Wear it now. What will you do immediately? 
You will say remove it. Why? Because what is inside will destroy what they are putting on you. You see, the Christian who does not understand that the greatest qualification for the blessing you might need is that your sins are forgiven. You can't put anything good on something terrible. It will no longer be good. It's like beautiful shoes and there are sands and stones inside. And you wear it. Everybody will be looking at you. Man, nice shoes. But you are saying, man, I'm suffering. Man, nice shoes. But what? But man, your sh- that is what the Christian has. He's standing in a place where his what? Sins are forgiven. His iniquities are what? Covered. You have a good heritage. Your future is assured. Are you getting what I'm saying? Your business with the wrath of God is settled. The wrath of God that is due me. The Bible says God is angry with sinners. How many? Every day. That anger of God over sinners for me has been put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when God looks at me every day, you know what I have? He said day by day, new messages what I receive. If God has taken the wrath that should be upon me away and has put mercy on me. If you saw me complaining with this picture that I painted to you, what will you do to me? Even if I'm not a kid, won't you spank me? Praise the Lord. Do you understand? If you knew my story, and this is what God has done for me, and you see me now complaining that I don't have car, God, I don't like the way you're dealing with me. And you say, are you the one? He washed his sins away. Are you the one that he has expired his wrath that is due you? Are you the one that in place of wrath, what you have is mercy? Are you the one? What do you think the elders will do? They will bring correct king. Because Christians don't understand this, we talk and we don't sound differently from the world. That's why I say from today you'll be declaring. You won't just talk. You can't just talk. The Bible says concerning, it says, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have what? Believed. You see, thanksgiving for the Christian is not a momentary thing. It's a state. Because what has been done cannot be undone. You know, the Bible speaks to us in camera, in pictures, when it tells us the, the story of the children of Israel. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, 8 verse 2. It says, 8 verse 2, please put it for me. God speaking says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you keep his commandments or not. Now, this is what is happening here. God had a nation of people who were under servitude. They were slaves under Pharaoh. And these people were crying daily. Lord, save us. Lord, deliver us. Lord, bring us out of bondage. And with a mighty hand, they fought no war. They didn't kill anybody. They didn't do anything. God is just amazing. Do you know the fight they fought before they left Egypt? They ate suya. The night of their deliverance, they didn't wrestle with their neighbors. First of all, they went and borrowed and asked. And they were given treasures. The second one was what? Eat roasted meat. Eat a lot. That's what that sign was. Say, don't remain. 
How many would like such instructions to come from our doctors? From now, when you go eat, don't remain. Why are doctors always telling us to reduce what we eat? And the sweetest things. Eh? You see how good God is. He said, eat the meat. Let none of it remain till morning. And these people ate and acquired. The next day they were free. Who did it? Who done it? And they became free. Now, the Bible now says, God, this same God now, Deuteronomy, says he led them through the wilderness, allowing them to suffer, allowing them to experience difficulty, to know what was in their heart. You know what was, he was checking? He was checking to see, is there gratitude in their hearts? Do they know where they are coming from? Do they know who has started the work? Do they know how come they are here? You know, it's amazing how believers will cry to God and God blesses them. Then they will be holding the blessings and then they will almost insult God because of the blessing. You prayed for a job and then there are challenges on, you get the job, sorry, that's the first one. You get the job. And then there are challenges on the job and you say, God forsook you. You know, these things, we think about it. You pray for life, you are alive. You're well, you're sound, everything is okay with you. And then you now tell God, there is no reason for me to leave. What's the problem? I'm not married. I thought you are alive. Then you now get married and then God is in trouble because, listen now, it's going to be our, you know, uh, fourth wedding anniversary. And no child, God, and God is saying, I thought you prayed that Lord, two are better than one. Now it's three or four or five are better than one. Two are no, you have changed your mathematics. Are you saying, you see, when you forget, when this thing does not flow the way it is, it puts in, we're still going somewhere. This revelation brings a a feeling of indebtedness. This feeling of indebtedness, you know what it does immediately? It automatically engenders loyalty. It engenders loyalty. And it's that loyalty that God was speaking about in Deuteronomy 8 to If you go home and read further down, it's, you know, you now went and said that men shall know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The true Christian who has known the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God in his life, beginning with him, will know that the same God is to be obeyed. The same God is to be followed. The same God is to be surrendered to. But men and women cannot be loyal to a God that they forget his faithfulness to them. That's why loyalty is a problem. There are men today who will kill for their bosses because when their wife was pregnant and had complications, they could only afford, we'll say, General Hospital. Their boss took their wife to Nisa Premier and paid 700000 and their wife survived. Because of that, they can kill for the man because that man saved their wife and child. But what God has done for us The enemy makes sure we don't remember. He fights to make sure that it's as nothing. That's why the average Christian coming into church is not coming to worship a God who has been good. He's coming to a God who is powerful that is owing him. That's why the prayer has to be what God will do. Today, God will answer you. The one he answered didn't come. Today, God will meet you at the point of your need. Your need is standing at the point of his provision. The children of Israel were only in the wilderness because they were free from the slavery in Egypt. The wilderness was a place of deliverance. Egypt was a place of bondage. 
So they will walk. God knows there is water. In fact, sometimes God will keep water and allow it to be bitter. And they taste the water and it's bitter. He expects them to say, Daddy, you know, I, we just thank you. What a marvelous God. What a marvelous God. What a whatever. And just praise him. And then the water, but, but they never got it. They never got it. When the water is bitter, they say, hey, this is what we are saying. He should have left us in Egypt. He should have left us. And God was saying, look at these people. Look at these people. Praise the Lord. So, it brings, when that thing happens, it brings loyalty. And the loyal man is not very reasonable. Praise the Lord. You see, the loyal man does not judge based on reason. He do, he's, not, he's not rational. The loyal man is faithful, you know, to a person or to, I don't know whether to use cause, but let's use person. He's faithful to a person in the sense that he just believes that this, this man or this person represents right. Even if he's wrong, he's right. That's what loyalty is. Even if it's disadvantageous to me, it is still the best. Why? Because I am loyal. May God give you loyal staff. May God give you loyal husbands, loyal wives, loyal children in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, loyalty is beautiful. And, and, and in the sense where we're looking at it, especially to God, the Bible says the eyes of the Lord are doing what? They are running time from upon the whole earth. What's this searching? For the one whose heart is what? Loyal that God might show himself strong on his behalf. Loyalty. But you see, you can't be loyal to someone that you think is small. It's not very easy. The person has to, you know, be something. And that's where this thing that we're learning this morning is so important. How big is your God? How big? How essential? How instrumental? How advantageous is your salvation? Is your relationship with him? So quickly, this loyalty is what creates faith faith in god is simply obedience to god in spite of consequences faith in god is trust in god in spite of reasons not to trust him faith is not agreeing is beyond understanding or you know I, I don't know which word to say but faith in god is simply saying it's god when the acts don't match you say it's god that's why the Bible says of the children of Israel. They knew the acts of God. They knew God gave food. They knew God provided water. They knew this. But Moses didn't just know the acts of God. What did Moses do? Moses knew the ways of God. So Moses could deal with God even when it didn't add up. And that's where you begin to come to. And that is the position where this thanksgiving for you and I is more than singing. Praise the Lord. It's not dependent on circumstances. I don't know. What will somebody wake up and tell me now? Or rather, what will happen? That all of a sudden, I will think God unfair. Many of us are here. Through us, our families have become saved. Praise the Lord. Through us, our parents have given their lives to Christ. Through us, our family members have become, you know, born again. Through us, God has done so many things. What is it that will now happen? That all of a sudden, I will be thinking, you know, this my work with God is unprofitable. Which event? Where would that come from? Somebody said the devil is a loser. Because my faith is rising up. 
And as I say this, I'm not saying that you don't expect things from God. No. We're saying that you now have a foundation. A solid foundation. Knowing that the God who has done this is a God you should follow. Praise the Lord. He's a God. That Deuteronomy, he said, I did this to test you, to know what was in your heart. The power to work the miracles was never limited. They asked for bread. They asked for food. He gave them manna. At the time, they said, we don't like this food. We need the type we were eating in Egypt. And that's a lie because they were not eating it in Egypt. But they said they wanted the flesh. They wanted meat, protein, and all of that. And God said, I'm going to give it to them. Moses was so worried that Moses had to caution God. He said, God, have you forgotten their number? It was to Moses that God said, is the Lord's hands too short? Do you know who you're dealing with? You think I don't give them meat because meat is difficult. He said, watch, I'm going to give them meat. And they're going to eat and eat and eat until it starts coming out from their nostrils. And God did give them, but they were not better off. That will not be our portion in Jesus. May God not give us anything out of due time. That's what happens when we try to push God to say, God, show me. No, we want to get to the place where we are standing in gratitude. Where we glory in the salvation we have, in the relationship we have, we joy in this, in this beautiful thing that God has counted us what The Apostle Paul speaking, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 and 13. You can put it on the screen for us, please. He says, 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. What did he do? He counted me faithful it's not everybody it's not everybody imagine if you were in north korea do you think about them that king jong-un will be your god somebody say god have mercy he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry and look at 13 he says what was i although i was what formerly a blasphemer anybody with such a past here don't raise your hands a persecutor walking in opposite of what this thing is about. An insolent man. Words, curse words, terrible words coming out of your mouth. Arguing against anything that was godly. It says, all of this, I still did what? Obtained mercy. I still obtained mercy. Sister, it doesn't matter what is happening in your life now. You already have received mercy. And the Bible says we should come boldly to the throne of grace. That we might do what? Obtain mercy. After mercy, know the next thing that comes. It says grace to help in time of need. Don't have mercy and lose mercy because you're not thankful. Many times our problem is that the mercy we have. How many of us have ceased to, to extend an intended good to a person Because you notice that they were not responding to the goodness he had already shown. Almost every one of us. We are learning that from God. The children of Israel that God delivered from Pharaoh. He killed that generation. You know we don't like to think that God kills. The whole generation from 20 years and above men. All of them died in the wilderness. And it was God's decree. Why? Because these people kept murmuring. They kept complaining. Apart from Joshua and Caleb. He said all of these ones, they would die. Because the mercy they received, they didn't hold on to it. 
Somebody said, I will hold my mercy. I'm not trying to preach into a place of complacency. No, not with this God. The psalmist said, he anoints my head and my cup is half full. Is that what he said? He said, he anoints my head and what? My cup runs over. Not with this God. His wealth is unsearchable. His goodness is, is uncontainable, sir. It's just that it's not smart thinking you can get it by complaining. You know, you learn people and you, you learn people. Many of us are in relationships and we're having challenges. L- learn who you're dealing with. So, some of us actually may get away with some people that you're in relationship with and you get it by complaining. But I bet you most people it doesn't work. Especially with most men. Men complaining doesn't work. Nagging doesn't work. Nagging makes the woman feel that she's doing a lot. Praise the Lord. And that is what you may call in mad physics, energy spent. Abby, there's energy spent. Energy applied now. It does not automatically equal to work done. Complaining may work in some places, but it doesn't work in many other places. It, doesn't, it didn't work with God. The people murmured. The people complained. Do you know the only thing that God, God said, as he has spoken in my hearing, I agree. I approve. They said, all of us are going to die. We came out from Egypt. Here we are now where God said, okay. And that was it. And the new generation came. And the leaders of that generation, you know what the Bible says of Caleb? It said he followed the Lord what? Fully. It means that the reason we are discouraged is because we have not come to the full revelation of what God has for us. We said that no Christian is a sorry case. He only looks, he can imagine Joseph in prison. Just picture Joseph in prison. Isn't he a sorry case? Unquote. But that's not how the story ended. That's not how, the way you're looking at it now, it's not the way your story will end. The only problem is, you have to follow him what? Fully. Joseph didn't go around. And when he saw Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker, with their sad countenance, he didn't turn and say, nah man, if you know my own story, eh? I get it what I'm saying. He didn't say to them, ah, <laughs> na dream on a dream way on a day like this. My own no be dream mm. <laughs> Make I tell you. And then he'll begin to lament and begin to complain and begin to say, even those his brothers, eh? fire. He didn't do that. He went to them still standing as a recipient of mercy. As a recipient of God's goodness. And like we learned here, when you receive something, you have something to give. He said to them, how may I help you? It's not usual. But you know what? It is expected of you, the believer. You know why? That is your true position. Let's rise on our feet. That is your true position. That is your true position. It's a place where it's, it's impossible, you know, for your head to be down. God himself has says, I am the glory and the lifter of your head. How can my head be down when God is the I am that will lift it up? How can I be forsaken? Where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, he himself hath said. A prophet didn't say it for him. He said, he himself had said, somebody came to church and you've counted the years where your problem has gone. And it's as though that's it. It cannot be that it. That is only the middle of it. Follow him fully. Follow him what? Fully. We read the records now. 
They walk, the Bible said they journey three days and there is no water. And then what happened? There is water. And you have waited seven years and this hasn't happened. And then what? It will happen. Are you understanding what I've come to say? We have a God who has started something. And God, just like, you know, most things in life, is not on one side. He's Alpha and he's Omega. I want you to just lift up your heart to him. And just thank him. I want you to thank him. If there's anything you remember... That God has been to you. The goodness of God to you. The blessedness of God to you. The salvation of the Lord. The deliverance of the Lord. The favor of the Lord. The other day my wife and I were saying, what a mercy we had. You know, I, I don't know. I thank God for my parents. But, I, you know, just several things to thank God for. You, you thank, I'm talking of from behind. Just remembering that I could have been born to a father who was beating my mother, you know, black and blue. I don't know what I would have, but, but you see, God has just been merciful to me. But that's not the story. The story here today is that Jesus Christ, God in Christ, has covered my sins i i read the story of that convicted rapist and i said lord this is what you have done for me my sins you have washed away my iniquities you have covered my shame you have turned to glory my head that is bowed down you have lifted up i can walk about now and have respect not because i earn the respect but because your blood on the cross was shed for me the one who was sinless became sin that i might become the righteousness of god in christ jesus i have a future and i have a hope not because i've gone ahead to settle it because god has gone ahead and finished the work and has said to me that i am now a joint heir with himself jesus calls me brother jesus calls you sister he has gone to the father and said i have come here and he's met the bible says he ever lives to make intercessions child of god no matter where you are now jesus is praying for you and not praying for you as some far off person he said that's my brother that's my sister that their circumstance oh lord we want to keep them strong keep them strong help them navigate this situation bring them out of this lord strengthen them lord do not allow the counsel of the enemy to prevail against them do not allow the wicked to win against them jesus is for us he's for us he's for us he's for us he's for us so faith in god experience we now come to a place where we are certain we know sure of the one whom we have believed so dancing we will dance singing we will sing but more than that we are standing we are standing i'm a believer i'm a christian his name he has given me the right i don't claim i'm not name dropping god is my father i carry the holy ghost i'm not boasting he says know ye not that your word bodies are what temples the holy ghost lives in me hallelujah Many of us will boast if some star moved into our neighborhood. Yeah, in, in my estate, you know, two houses away from me, so-so star lives. You will make it a news, won't you? 
Now, they're not saying that a star lives close to you. The Holy Ghost lives in the inside of you. If that is not great news, I don't know what great news you want to hear. And it's a place of standing. I walk about, I wake up in the morning, and I know that His mercies are upon me for this new day. Yesterday's zone is gone. Fresh mercy has come upon me. Then why should I fear? Why should I be worried? Why should murmuring and complaining be found in my mouth? Why should there be any dispute as to the love of God towards me? I want to say thank you. Father, we want to say thank you as a church. We come to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let the things that have troubled your hearts, you know, just overshadow them with gratitude. The fears that the enemy had tried to pawn you, overshadow with gratitude. Let, let the Lord know that you are grateful, that you have just come here to say thank you. And it will forever remain in your mouth. It will be in your mouth because it will be from the depth of your soul. Lord, I'm not giving a list that would determine my gratitude. From my heart, deep within my heart today, I come to say thank you i come to say thank you lord we come to say thank you as a church lord we come to bless you for the gift of your son the gift of salvation the gift of your holy spirit your presence in our lives your message your kindness your forbearance your gentleness oh lord your thoughts towards us we, we come to say thank you we come to say thank you we come to say thank you we come to bless you. We come to bless you. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikina Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.